0: hello everyone i'm paul menzel and i'm jim Conlan, and this is new tricks for old dogs our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon odd news items you don't normally hear about and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder not older
1: so if you got 25 minutes or so
0: grab a cup of coffee pull up a chair and join us In this episode, the old dogs ramble about all that junk mail we've been getting about Medicare Advantage. We offer the exciting news that bystander pigs can reduce conflict in the pig pen. We present another old dog We celebrate America's gift to the world, the slinky, and we say farewell to the Leap Second. If you were as fascinated as we were by our conversation last time with Deborah Wisnand, you'll be glad to know we have more information about end-of-life plans. Stay with us. So, Paul. Yo. What's on your mind?
1: Well, what's on my mind is I'm staring at a pile of junk mail uh, that I have been receiving every day Regarding Medicare Advantage, are you any other things related to being a
0: retired person? Really, it is like overwhelming. It is. It's overwhelming. It's hard to believe. That's what that I said. They can stuff all of that in a mailbox every day, or or just
1: send us the cash. Send <laughs> us the cash from the postage. From the postage. I'll be, I'll be your friend. You're right. But it is like a bunch of them are related to Medicare Advantage programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and each hospital system has their own and and uh, gee, we offer you rides to the doctor. Oh well we offer you a, a free uh, uh health club membership. We offer uh-huh. you meals, we offer you you know, and so you gotta f- kind of wade through all of that. Wait,
0: meals. I meals would, yes. I would love to have meals.
1: Yeah you know, I don't get well, meals. There's a, there's, a uh, there's probably a caveat there. You have to be terminal. Oh <laughs> they'll they'll send you your last meal. It's always in the it's in the fine print, Jim. Uh, you get a bunch of mails, don't you? I, mean, for I do crazy
0: stuff. It's crazy. You're retired. Look, there. I get stuff about hearing aids, for example. And why did why do they think I need a hearing aid? I mean, who's been blabbing?
1: Uh, your wife. <laughs> My wife, my wife's convinced I'm tone deaf. Uh, I selective as, hearing, a, they call it as a stump. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm fighting that one, uh, or walkers, or canes, or you know,
0: come on. Well, they are trying to make a buck off of us when we have fewer bucks. I mean, what's what's that all about, huh? Taking advantage of us because we're on a limited income. It's a Wait, shame. That's it. Medicare Advantage means we take advantage of you. Isn't that it? Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) There's so many companies trying to take advantage of me. Where do you start?
0: Well, the other thing that's kind of alarming about that is if so many different organizations are plying us with information about Medicare Advantage, what's in it for them? Why do they think they can make that much money off of us? Because they can. How you know there's millions, know
1: millions of us seniors that are on Medicare.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if they don't advertise, they don't get their slice. So. All you know. right,
0: all right. So I'm I'm drawing a conclusion here, Paul. I think the old dogs ought to have their own Medicare Advantage plan, and I think we ought to start mailing it out to all of our listeners tomorrow.
1: Okay, and even if we can't deliver on it, well, we
0: can't. We'll just find a benefit. Uh, The benefit we offer more laughs than those other companies.
1: It could work. It could work. (laughs) Here's a question: I'm sure you are mulling. Do pig bystanders help resolve conflict in the pig pen? This meaty subject
0: comes to us from Popular Science for November eighth, twenty twenty two. In a study published in the journal Animal Cognition, researchers established that bystander pigs have an effect on both the attacking pig and the victim pig in a pig kerfuffle, although they did caution that results of the study may not apply to all pig pens.
1: The study was conducted by a group of scientists from the University of Torino in Italy. They studied a group of 104 pigs on a nearby farm for six months, in an attempt to get a handle on
0: pig dispute resolution. If a bystander pig approached the aggressor, the number of attacks was significantly reduced. If the bystander pig approached the victim, the attacks continued, but the frequency of anxious behavior was reduced in the victim. In other words, the bystander pig was a comfort. We
1: have no idea what the hell you're supposed to make of this study, but we are happy for the researchers that they were gamefully employed for six months. But I can think of better ways to spend time than watching pig fights for half a year. That's why we have reality TV shows.
0: If you are a fan of White Lotus on HBO, you've enjoyed this fictional skewering of the rich and badly behaved. But is it fact rather than fiction? This pod nugget is from The Washington Post for October 30, 2022.
1: According to travel industry workers interviewed by The Washington Post, the wealthy do often make outrageous demands, and they expect
0: their demands to be met. For example... A guest renting a 14,000-square-foot mansion in Los Angeles requested a mermaid in the pool for a pool party in an hour. Not just any mermaid, but a real, authentic mermaid with a tail. The guest settled for a phony mermaid, but the enactor arrived on time for the party.
1: Another client asked for a 60-by-60-inch temperature-controlled safe in her week-long rental. The purpose was to store her mother's ashes. (laughs) Apparently, she didn't want the ashes to get overheated.
0: A hotel in France got a request for a huge amount of San Pellegrino, a brand of sparkly mineral water from Italy. The occasion? The client needed the bottled water to wash her hair. Perrier just wouldn't do.
1: So being wealthy doesn't always mean bad behavior, but about 20% of hotel guests enjoy being demanding. The trick is to try to appease the unappeasable while not neglecting the other guests who are better behaved, like you and me, Jim.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm very demanding when it comes to missing toilet paper, for example. Very demanding. We have an addition to
1: Old Doggerel that captures one of the unfathomable mysteries of growing old. As we age, our height shrinks, our appetite decreases, and our attention span shortens. Hey, but, speak
0: for yourself.
1: Uh, but one thing seems to thrive. Hair in unwanted and unnecessary places. It's tougher to control than kudzu. <laughs>
0: We're talking about hair in and around the ears, above our eyes, and in our nostrils. Bushy eyebrows and furry ears and noses don't seem to serve any evolutionary purpose. But the fact is that as we get older, we have to shave and pluck areas that we have disregarded for decades.
1: The first sign that a shearing is necessary is when the barber says, would you like your eyebrows trimmed or are you trying for a comb over? (laughs) Well, maybe that comb over part is unspoken, but it is understood, so when I get home, I pull out the trimmer and do my best to crop other unwanted hair above the neck. This monthly egregious grooming is our next old doggerel phrase, HERSUIT, PURSUIT.
0: The Slinky, which has been a popular toy since 1945, was an accidental creation by a naval engineer who was looking for a way to cushion equipment on a ship. This pod nugget is from the Trivia Genius website. In
1: 1943, naval engineer Richard T. James was stationed at a naval shipyard in Philadelphia. He was experimenting with springs as a way to keep sensitive equipment stable while at sea. He accidentally knocked a spring off a shelf and was surprised to see the spring
0: walk down a pile of books. He mentioned this surprising spring behavior to his wife, Betty, who suggested the spring could be a successful toy. James liked the idea and designed a machine to coil 80 feet of wire into a 2-inch spiral.
1: The toy was introduced in 1945 and was an immediate hit. In 1960, sales declined when James left the company and his family to become a missionary in South America. Ah, but the ever-resourceful Betty took over the business from her husband and restored it to solvency.
0: Over the years, the slinky has evolved from metal to plastic, and a line of slinky animals was added. Thanks to Toy Story, over 800,000 slinky dogs were sold in 1995, and sales have continued. To date, more than 300 million slinkies have been sold, enough to circle the planet 150 times if stretched.
1: Yeah, but what if they're not stretched? How many?
0: Uh, You stump the expert.
1: There is a difference between an astronomical second and an atomic second, which has created the need for a leap second, and it's making time measurement a little messy. This pod nugget is from the
0: New York Times for November 14th, 2022. Every once in a while, we like to introduce a subject, dear listeners, that is obscure and confusing. So some of you might want to do something else for the next three minutes, perhaps listen to a crime podcast. Now the rest of you may want to stop playing Candy Crush and give us your full attention.
1: As we all know, the calendar year of 365 days is based on a trip around the sun. Now this is not a precise measurement and every four years we have to add a day to the calendar to keep the seasons from migrating. Ah, uh, easy peasy. We call it leap year.
0: Okay, now let's get granular. The astronomical second is defined as 186,400th of the mean solar day, which is one rotation of the Earth on its axis. Now, this is not a precise number because the Earth's rotation is slowing a bit from year to year. We're talking about small increments that won't make you late for work.
1: This wasn't a problem until meteorologists started measuring time with atomic clocks in 1967. An atomic second is based on the vibrations of an atom of cesium-133. Now this is a fixed number, it doesn't change, so you see the problem. Atomic time is precise, and
0: astronomical time is not. So. To keep the two time methods in sync, whenever atomic time gets ahead of astronomical time by a second, atomic time pauses for a second to allow astronomical time to catch up. This is called a leap second.
1: Oh, but a second is a huge amount of time in the technology of the Internet. Cell phone transmissions, power grids, and computer networks are synchronized to small fractions of a second. Every leap second introduces the risk of confusion.
0: For that reason. Later this year, a resolution will be voted on by the International Bureau of Weights and Measures to discard the leap second. This has wide support from most nations, including the U.S. That amounts to scientifically kicking the can down the road. But don't worry, your alarm clock will still be working tomorrow. In our last episode, we started a conversation with Deborah Wisnand, an ordained minister and a trainer of interfaith chaplains. She described the various practical options we have in planning our final years. In this episode, Deborah talks about the personal support we can choose in the last stage of our lives.
1: Now, what we haven't covered is the spiritual aspect of what you do as a chaplain. What do you feel your responsibility is when you're visiting somebody uh, who is in hospice care?
2: the definition of spiritual care in our professions that are spiritual care providers and chaplains is care for the spiritual emotional and relational dimensions of the person so we have a lot of conversation about what is of ultimate value to the person is it sitting outside on the porch and breathing fresh air is it that they continue to stay in touch with their catholic priest who may come by and see them once a month for communion. Is it that they talk with the chaplain about how they feel cut off from their prayer life since they've known they were dying and they're really struggling and want to talk about that. Is it they want to talk about a broken relationship with a family member and they really would like something to change, maybe reconciliation or maybe just a healing of a fracture in the relationship. So we deal with a lot of emotional, spiritual, and relational issues. What's different for chaplains from the other professionals that are coming in, Paul, is that we're not doing anything to the patient. We're simply, and it's not simple, (laughs) but we are accompanying the patient spiritually and emotionally along this pathway where their body is shutting down in hospice so we try to offer a safe and confidential place for them to free associate to whatever they need to be processing most of the time both in the hospital even if someone is not dying and especially in hospice people are thinking about the things that they value they're thinking about their life they're doing life review What was worthwhile in my life? What am I so proud of? What do I regret? What kind of legacy do I wanna leave for my family and have I told them? Maybe it's a relational legacy. Maybe it's an emotional legacy. Maybe it's something they wanna make sure they know that the family has always carried and they hope that goes on after them. Maybe it's values. So we do a lot of this kind of conversational accompaniment We also do a lot of sitting. Again, most of the time when a healthcare professional comes in, if you're in the hospital or comes in, even if you're in hospice or palliative care, palliative care a little bit less. They offer services that are more like ours if they're not doing medication treatment in which we may just sit with somebody, just sitting with them as they think about something or as they cry or as they contemplate what they want to tell a family member. And they just need time for someone to sit with them. We always ask permission. It's not forced on anybody. And most of the time, people will utilize our presence.
1: You've uh, accompanied a lot of people on their journey to end of life. How has that affected you?
2: Paul, I had a quite a journey through it in terms of realizing my limitations. Um, As a young professional, I was totally committed to walking these paths. Uh, I was doing end-of-life care, but it wasn't hospice, but I was doing end-of-life care when I worked on an AIDS unit at one of our local hospitals. So every patient I saw because they were so severely ill and we didn't have the same kind of insurance problems that we do today in terms of length of stay, pretty much every patient I saw, I knew would die. And all of us on the unit were there permanently. We didn't rotate. So every single patient and family I would talk with. Some of them I did services for, funeral and memorial services afterward. But one night, I uh, had come back in for a patient who was dying, literally actively dying. And I was divorced and I had a young child. And so I had dropped her off at the caretaker's home. She was willing to sit with her. And I headed home after the person died. I went by the apartment where the caretaker lived and picked up my daughter, got back in the car. Of course, she fell asleep. She was in a car seat, she was young. And I started crying driving home and I realized my whole life was about death. It happened to be that I had a divorce. My relationship was dying. My whole life social structure was dying and everybody around me that I was caring for was dying and everybody that I was working with were talking about dying patients. And so I realized I had to take action to bring other things into my life. I had to give myself a break. I had to set limits on whether I would go back into the hospital because I couldn't make that choice. And that was a real turning point for me. Um, one of the things that chaplains do most to take care of themselves while we're working with people who are acutely ill or dying is to talk with our colleagues. I like working in a large place where we have a large chaplaincy staff. And a lot of times that's not the case in a hospice, although there will often be the caregivers you're working with. But debriefing, talking about your experience at the last death, talking about what you'll remember about that family, talking about what that patient liked and how comical they were, what a great sense of humor they had. The debriefing, is extremely critical. It also is not necessarily a debriefing you're going to do when you go home, because whoever's living at home is not necessarily invested in this. They're invested in you, but they're not necessarily invested in hearing all these stories of death. So literally, literally making sure that I debrief as I'm caring for a person or after they die is extremely important. And taking care of myself, the same sorts of things that I might do. Just go home and relax. Just go home and watch a silly movie. You know, start reading more fiction and less serious stuff. I did that. I started reading more fiction and a lot a lot more mystery. I love mystery novels, not thrillers, but mystery novels, murder mysteries. And it shifted.
0: Looking ahead to your own possibilities and your own endgame. Uh are you ready? Are you prepared? How do you feel about that and who is going to be there for you?
2: Uh, I am prepared. I have my events directives out there. I have two siblings and I have an adult daughter. All of them know exactly what I would like and would not like. They're very clear about that. We've all talked openly about that. I've told my good friends. So people in my life know and would be able to voice that at any time if I were being prolonged by treatment, and I were actually dying. So in that way, I'm prepared. Ideally, uh, like so many people say, I'd love to go to sleep and not wake up, but that doesn't happen to a lot of us. Um, I really would prefer not to be in an ICU bed. I would prefer to be surrounded by some family. I would prefer not to be alone. And If your family member is literally being held on in the hospital by life-sustaining treatment, but nobody's been willing to talk about whether to withdraw that, even if the person doesn't have advanced directives, but it's time for you to talk about that, it's likely that you will not be there at their bedside when they die. If you do not choose a medical power of attorney, then in Texas, there is a line of people that will automatically speak for you that's set up by regulation, and there's nothing you can do about it. So if you have not named anyone, the first person they go to is your spouse. If you don't have a spouse or the spouse can't do it, then they're gonna to go to one adult child that all the adult children agree to. The third group they're gonna to go to is a majority of the adult children. The fourth they're gonna to go to are your parents. And the fifth they're gonna to go to is maybe somebody you designated or you identified and everybody agrees with. There are times that in the hospital, literally a chaplain is called to go and make decisions because there is no family. And in the regulation in Texas, it says a clergy person can do that. So I may know nothing about that person, but and put them into a position to help make decisions.
1: You are in a very stressful and demanding occupation. Have you ever thought about yeah, just ending that and then uh, going for a third act? I don't know what that'll be. Join the circus? Uh, write mystery novels? I don't know.
2: You're really talking about the hardest question in my life right now, Paul. Uh, what do I do next? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is so much of my identity. Who I am is tied up in this role as a minister, this role as an educator teaching people to do this. Uh, It's tied up with seeing people and being there for them in the most moments of their lives. It's so much of who I am. I do not know.
0: I am full to bursting here uh, with all of this information. And it isn't just... You know, the stock stuff that you hear, Deborah. this is, I think, so valuable that we really do need to share this with our listeners. Um, it's, it's information not just from the state, but from your personal perspective that seems to be not only well-informed, but really, really caring. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity because, as you can tell, I think they are critical issues for us today in, in our current time.
0: Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.